Hi, welcome to the Women Behaving Boldly podcast, the podcast that features women who share their stories about personal and professional growth and transformations to uplift, encourage, and inspire all of us to live our most beautiful, fulfilling, and elevated lives. I'm your host, Elena Marie, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. And today we have a special guest, my sweet friend, Maria Cecilia Torres. Maria Cecilia was born in Colombia and came to the United States for her college education when she was a young adult. She moved to Nebraska where she studied biochemistry, earned her master's degree, and eventually worked as a chemist, researcher, and author for many years before switching careers and becoming a Spanish medical interpreter and healthcare advocate. She speaks Spanish, English, and French, and is enjoying retirement now with her new grandchild. Today, she is going to share a bit of her story with us, and so glad she's here. Welcome, Maria Cecilia. I would like to just welcome you, Maria Cecilia, to tell us your story and share with our listeners, like, how you came to America and you had this really interesting career and now you are retired and you have a beautiful grandchild I know so tell us what's happening and how how you got, came to be where you are okay well thank you so much Elena to, for interviewing me I think this is like my honor <clears throat> to be able to tell my story um, and uh, so that you can share it with uh, with your audience um, I, I came to United States just kind of by chance. I, I am originally from Colombia, South America. Um, I was finishing my BS degree in chemistry. Um, and there was a program um, sponsored by the uh, American government called AID, American for International Development. They sent a group of faculty from five Midwestern universities to Colombia. Um, to, to do some, start some agricultural programs, and then also to find students to send to United States to be trained or to have postgraduate education so that they could return to Colombia to continue the projects and programs they had started. So when I finished, when I was finishing my bachelor's degree, I was working with this American professor from Oklahoma. And one day out of the blue, he came and said, how would you like to go to United States to get your master's degree? Uh, everything paid uh, from beginning to end, including books, everything, tuition, living arrangements, whatever you need. Um, in return, you have to sign a contract to come back to Colombia to uh, you know, continue with our projects here. So I, I, and, and he said that to me and to my, one of my other friends uh, from college. And my other friend said, oh, I don't, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think I will go because if I get a higher education, maybe I won't be able to find somebody to marry me because <laughs> men tend to be scared of women who are more educated. So mm -hmm. at that time, that was in the 70s, mm -hmm. uh, and actually late 60s. And so uh, I said, well, I really, that would not be a reason for me. I will go. <laughs> You're uh, daring. You yes. said, I, I, can, I can do this. <laughs> yes. And actually, I am not a risk taker. 
Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know how in the world uh, I I just didn't hesitate because what an opportunity. I I mean, how, how this is like, it was like a gift out of the blue. So Mm -hmm. fine. I did all what I needed to do. And then I, um, okay, because this program was had a headquarters in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, then the professor who offered this to me, he said, I think it's better. Okay, so all the students who were chosen could go anywhere where they were uh, accepted. So if I would have liked to apply to, I don't know, any any university, uh, mm-hmm. then and they would accept me, then I will go. But then he said to me, I think because you are kind of shy and everything, I think it will be better if you go to Lincoln, Nebraska, to the university. <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the University of Nebraska. And I said, okay, fine, you know. So <laughs> anyways. You about Nebraska. I mean, what did you about? I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No idea about Nebraska, but then, then okay, fine. I, I, I got everything ready. I I came, I, I um, uh, got into a plane on a January day, which meant I was going to arrive in Nebraska in plain winter. And I have never experienced winter. I lived in Colombia in, near the equator, no seasons. Every single day, the same length from six to six. So then, okay, so let's go to Lincoln, Nebraska, fine. So I get in the plane and then the plane was supposed to make a stop in Chicago and from Chicago, so from Bogota, Colombia to Chicago to Lincoln, Nebraska. So we arrived late into Chicago and I missed my connection. It was late in the night and I was by myself. I did, I could understand English. I could, you know, say a few words. I, I mean, I, I knew some knowledge. I had some knowledge of English, but I really wasn't that fluent at that time. And so I was there sitting, figuring out what to do. And then this man came and said, I had two big suitcases and he said, uh, do you want me to help you carry your suitcases to wherever you are going? Uh, and I had to go to a different terminal to pick up my plane really, really, really early the next morning. They, they were not going to give me any place to stay or anything. So I said, okay, how naive. But anyways, I said, okay. So we were walking on this tunnel to go to the other terminal. And he said, so where are you coming from? And where are you going? And I said, I am coming from Colombia, South America to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. He stopped in his tracks, dropped the suitcases, and he said, do you really mean you are coming from Colombia, South America, to go to Lincoln, Nebraska? (laughs) (laughs) What a surprise. And I got really worried. I said, oh, my gosh, you know, wow, okay, whatever. I said, yes, okay, so this man got me to the wherever I needed to go. I took the plane. I arrived into Nebraska, into Lincoln. And I was uh, welcomed by some people from the program, uh, AID program. Um, and then the next day, the, the, there was the next day there was a blizzard, uh, and I had to walk not too long, but maybe two blocks to go to my first class. Um, and I arrived. I went to my first class, biochemistry 101, and. In that class, the first day I arrived into Nebraska, into Lincoln, I met my future husband. Are you kidding? 
Aww. Yes. Yes. So, so, so when my 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 friend said she would not take the scholarship because you know she would not find a somebody. <laughs> very... Here you are. <laughs> yeah. So, so, anyways, um, I was I was dressed because in Colombia somehow at that time we used to dress more formally to go to college. So I had I had a suit and I had a suit, uh, purse and I had earrings and everything. So he kind of. He knew a new a new student was going to arrive. He was under a different program than he was under the United Nations program, getting his PhD in, in veterinary medicine. But he was in the same class. So he walked, he walked to me at the end of the class and said, are you the new, the new person coming from Colombia, the new student? And I said, yes, I am. And from then on, you know, we, we, we got to know each other better. And ultimately, we married two years later. Aww. And so, yeah, so, um, so I, it was hard. It was really hard at the beginning, um, especially the language, because those courses were not easy. And I had to, for the tests, I had to think in Spanish, translate to English, and then write in English. It, it was, it was really challenging, but um, I did it. But I can't but, imagine. I mean, doing biochemistry in your second language or your third language. I mean, I just, <laughs> kudos to you, girl. <laughs> well, thank you. I, you know, I, I, I was there. I had to do it. <laughs> yes. I, so, but the, the story, the other, then magic, I think some, um, I have had some magic um, times in my life that I, Right now, when I look back, I I just say, but you know, I feel very grateful, and I feel that these things, these events, and and, and occasions happen by grace because I cannot done anything to to really be so absolutely lucky. So uh, so first, you know, the scholarship, but second, uh, I was looking for a place to stay, and then somebody came and said, well, there is a house two blocks from the campus. And there is a, a family who rents rooms. They have four rooms and they rent rooms to uh, graduate foreign students who do not smoke. And at this moment, they have a room empty because their youngest daughter got married. Would you like to take a look? And I went and I, of course, loved it. And it was the most amazing thing. There were an older couple with four foreign graduate students uh, they, it's like, it was like our home. We will get home in the evening and their meal was on the table. We will get home and then the laundry, everything was done and everything folded and put on, on top of our beds. They gave us a car, to not, not to each, but one car for all of us. And then they will pay the insurance and everything we will pay for the gas. And that, was, that those were my two years in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then I got my degree. Wow. And what a, what a beautiful place to live. It sounds like it was so, so family oriented and comforting. <laughs> yes, it was like really awesome. We, we, they said one condition is if we wanted to have the meals, then we'll, eat, we'll sit down and eat at six o'clock every day with them. And that's what we did. And, uh, and not only that, but then I, I, you know, very great friendships with the other people in the house. And so that was like, uh, I think... They were the best, I call them the best American ambassadors because oh. we all 
realize how, and this is the heartland of America, how, mm -hmm. how good and generous uh, those the people were there. And um, eventually I learned to love Lincoln, Nebraska. And so when I was going to get married, then the, the person in charge of the program I was under came to me and said, we got married in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he said, my wife and I would like to offer our house for your wedding, for the party. If you want oh. to get married, so we will, we will, we will uh, plan your party, your reception, or whatever you want. And our house is open to you. And we have a country, a big country house, and that's how the wedding happened. I love that. Yes. So, so that was a magic time. Okay. So that's my time in Lincoln, Nebraska. I got a degree. My my husband, ex-husband, today got a degree, his degree too, we returned to Colombia. And then when we got to our uh, academic institutions, respective academic institutions, mm -hmm. they told us, they told us they didn't have any jobs for us. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, so okay. then, yeah. So then my ex-husband found another job. And two years later, <clears throat> he was offered a position as a faculty in Lincoln, Nebraska, again, where he had graduated, and we returned to this country. So that's why I live here, and I have been here since then. Ah, okay. So you guys went back there. And what was it like going back since you were finished with school then? Oh, it was great. We loved it. Oh, no, we had the family there. Our first son was born in Colombia. And uh, it was it was it was very nice. It was like feeling home again. Um, mm -hmm. So that was good. Uh, but we loved Lincoln. Lincoln was like some something very special. And so we came back to Lincoln uh, with our son, and it didn't work for a while because I had this baby, and I didn't know how I didn't know who to leave him with or anything. And then I started working at the University of Nebraska, um, uh, doing research. Uh, and then from then we moved to Cornell University where my ex-husband was an uh, uh, assistant dean in the School of Veterinary Medicine. Mm -hmm. And I got a job in chemistry. Uh, and, and then we returned to Lincoln, Nebraska again because he got a job in, with industry. Uh, he didn't like that. So we came back, we came to Long Island, New York. So that's how we ended up here. Oh, wow. What a story. I love that. And I love this piece where you talked about, you know, these magic times in your life and these things that happened and you just followed it and went for it. And you got so lucky with the man at the airport. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. I'm but, so, I, thought, I thought that was, I was like, oh no, is this going to end poorly or is this a good part? So man. I love that that was good. Thank yeah. you. And and so you had this scholarship that changed totally the direction of your life. I mean, you, you moved from Colombia to America, and then you meet your husband, and you live in this house, and you have all these friends in this yes. house, and they're international students. I mean, what a fun story. And how would you say um, this has impacted you now, now that you're retired? And yeah. all these magic things. What what's that like now? Do you still feel like these magic moments are happening? 
Okay, one thing I, I want to say first is that yes. at the time, at the time when all these things were happening, I really didn't recognize them as magic. Uh, I didn't I, I didn't recognize that these were such amazing gifts from the universe, from God, yeah. from uh I just leave them. And of course mm -hmm. I, I I was yeah. I appreciated them, but I wasn't now when I look back, it's when I say, Oh wow, you know, right. and then that's when and now because with my you know living so many more years after that uh and i i practice more mindfulness and mm -hmm. uh, awareness of the present moment that's what i want to that's what i would like to convey um to to uh, to some of your audience and and, and mm -hmm. i convey to my my daughter and and people i love uh it's just that you know, do not let those moments go without mm. being aware of them. So that's what I will say when I look back uh, right now to those moments. So it's a, you know, it's like the present moment, a wonderful moment. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. And you're right. You know, I think it it's probably it's very common for all of us. Just we're just kind of living and going through. And so maybe that hindsight is 2020. And without that mindful mindfulness practice, we're not necessarily paying attention to these nice. little these little gifts that pop up, and sometimes really big ones even that pop up. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's that's what I can say about those magic moments. Now, whether they are happening still, yeah, they are happening still in my life. Mm -hmm. um, they are happening, but but again, I as just as I just said, I am more aware of them. I am more um, I am more grateful in the moment. I just uh, feel blessed, um, and that is a wonderful energy. It's wonderful for your health, I think, because it goes through all your cells and you know mind, body, and spirit, mm -hmm. and and infuses some extra energy for the next step, whatever it will be. Right, right. Well, you know what, in speaking about health, um, this is a good transition. Now, I know you had a battle with breast cancer and that's in remission right now. Do you wanna share about that story? Yes, so, um, so uh, I will, I worked several years in academia, as I just told you, and mm -hmm. then I made a big transition in my life, which I will um, maybe uh, tell later on. So I changed careers all, all together. I wasn't a chemist anymore or a biochemist. I, I changed careers. And then um, ultimately it was, I loved, I loved my second life and I call those my two lives, the, mm -hmm. the life. and. After, unfortunately, during my second life, as much as I love what I was doing, I had a very, very, very difficult boss and I did retire, ultimately just because of my boss. And mm -hmm. a, a year later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, mm -hmm. um, which uh, was a very, very difficult time. Uh, that's relatively recent, 2021, the whole year 2021. Um, uh, but right now I am, you know, in remission and 
again, every single day I do. I, I am grateful for, for the day and uh, for, for and whatever the, the day brings, I will just, um, you know, go through uh, whether it's, 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 it's wonderful or not so wonderful. I will just go through knowing that the new day is ahead and, mm-hmm. and I will be able to figure out whatever it brings them. So, yeah, so it was, and then looking back, I think all the emotional upheaval mm-hmm. from dealing with my with my boss, uh, who was so, so hard, um, that on top of a divorce, because I had, I had gone through a divorce, but that was way back. That was in the year 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, I, I strongly believe, I am convinced uh, that that really was a major factor in uh, in getting this cancer because of all the energy that I store in my body, body that I wasn't able to process appropriately. And so it eventually, the, the body takes count and, uh, and eventually it just came out like, like cancer. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you, um, when you, just before you mentioned that and, and, you know, the mind, body, spirit connection just completely makes sense in so many ways. Um, you mentioned having this ability now where you take it, take the day, day by day, take it, what comes up. And you said you, you can figure out whatever it brings. Is that something new or did you always kind of have that? Um, sort of determination and like grit, like, oh, I can figure out whatever comes my way. Or was this sort of a learned skill? No, this actually was uh, was one of the silver linings from my cancer journey. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I guess before, um, you know, I, I really uh, had not gone through very, very hard times in my life, except for the divorce. <clears throat> but the cancer journey was a different, totally different dimension of of um, of issue or, or experience, and and after that is when I said, you know, when I started to think, when I was so sick, I was at home all year, mm-hmm. um, and I reflected a lot, and I prayed, and I I talked to people, and then is when I I realized that if I had been able to go through this. And I am still well, and right now I am well, and and I have energy, and I have, you know, I I I I experience the joy of living, um, as much as I can. That that yes, if something else comes back, comes up, or or back, which I hope not, yeah. um, I I I will just go through it. Um, I mean, I will do. I let me let me think how I would express this because mm-hmm. from the from the first moment I had the cancer, I said my mindset mm-hmm. in such a way that I said I am going to be well, and I will not allow any of the <clears throat> defeating thoughts or or scary thoughts. I'm not going to say I didn't have them. I had them, right? <clears throat> but whenever I had them. This is something else we have learned, and most of you probably have learned. You know, you just you just acknowledge they are there. You you then uh, 
uh, investigate or think what what uh, is causing the discomfort because they will cause you discomfort, and then um, and then accept them and go on and nurture yourself. This is um, some of you might know this. It's called Rain. Is the acronym is Rain. Uh, so that's what I do. I, some, something like that comes. I say, okay, I am feeling unsettled or scared or worried. Okay, why am I feeling this way? Then I figure it out and then I accept it that way. And then I nurture myself and let it go. And I, I, as, it's, not easy, it's not that easy as, as it sounds. But the, right. more you, but the more I practice, the more I practice, the more I practice, then it becomes a little bit more easy. And it becomes like ingrained in you like you do it automatically Mm -hmm. right so this practice this newfound practice was your silver lining in really being mindful about your thoughts and questioning them I think it's interesting um that it was you didn't just say like oh no it's a bad thought and like ignore it um and and try to stuff a positive one in its in its place like you you can't you sat with it a bit and and then kind of played with it and like okay here it is and you know then you could nurture yourself which is which is sweet I like that and we can uh, put in the show notes we'll put the author and the practice information in there for Uh, who's interested I think it's Kate Byron yes yes yeah okay Mm -hmm. okay um yeah that sounds great and also, I, I had another question that popped up and now I lost it. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. So these are, it's actually two questions. Uh, so I'm sure there are other women in there out there who are really struggling with their career, maybe with their boss as well. And just feeling, you know, pain or defeated or frustrated or sad or what, whatever whatever it is, the stress, what would you say to that person to help encourage them? Uh, what I say is, um, it depends because if you love your job, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, my case, I, if you, if your job is just a job that you go every day and then you have a difficult boss, it's not, it's not hard. The decision is not hard to try to look around start looking around and, you know, going to all your networking and friends and whatever colleagues or, and then <clears throat> make a move. Mm-hmm. Um, be, because, because the energy day in and day out is not good, is very harmful for your body. Mm-hmm. I know that. <clears throat> and so now, <clears throat> excuse me, in my case, hold on. Yeah. <clears throat> I did. I did get a drink of water. (laughs) So um, in my case, when I love my job so much um, Mm -hmm. and where I I didn't want to let go, Mm -hmm. uh, but it got to a point where I realized that as much as I love my job and also I thought, well, I was already 72 years old. Uh, at that time where things started to get really, maybe 70 to 72, oh. really hard. And I said, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I said, well, this is, it's not that I'm going to go and find the job really easy, mm-hmm. but 
so so I said, well, but that doesn't mean that I cannot do what I am doing now. You know, mm-hmm. maybe as a volunteer, and uh, and if you want, I can tell you what was that. But I I I, I could do and find things, ways in which I could do some volunteer work or or something where I can um, you know also be um, uh, feel that I am being of service, and mm-hmm. and and then that's in those terms is when I decided to go to retire and leave my job. Mm-hmm. To, to see the possibility that this was not the end of the road, that there are options out there, there are possibilities, and then then it's just a matter of uh, having this intention because the intention is what makes everything. Now I am convinced of that. You know, you have this intention that you want. To, in my case, I wanted to be of service. Please, mm-hmm. I please universe or God or whoever your transcendent. Um, beliefs takes you um, show me the way and it will because 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 that's in some ways I believe strongly that that's why we are here is to be of service to each other to make Mm -hmm. this world better and so you will receive what you need to do whatever you love Uh, and, and mostly I believe if it is uh, something where you are helping, where you are serving, when you're where you're empowering, when you are energizing people, where you are helping everybody to be the best they can be, mm-hmm. it will it will happen. Mm. I love that. So it's just you're really saying like hold out hope. You know, do what you have to do. If you love what you're doing, you know, you have to find a way to manage it. Um, or can or you know look for something else and start networking and get out there and see the possibilities, and I think possibilities are a huge thing to look for because sometimes people get stuck and don't see possibilities. And in your case, you decided that it was the right time to retire, and you could still be in service. Correct. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and still do things that you enjoy, um, and kind of you know still living your mission which which by the way so let's back up a little bit and talk about that um, time in your life where you were feeling like you were living your mission um, at that job like it was just such a light in your life for you yes so so I was a chemist and I was working in the laboratory doing research and then uh I read a book which is called The Wheel of Life by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, mm-hmm. um, who wrote, is an anthropologist and physician who, who wrote, who came up with the five stages of grief. I'm sure uh, most of you are, are, are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this book called The Wheel of Life. I don't remember how I got into that book, but I read it. And at the end, what she did is she interviewed many, many, many patients at the end of life because she was a physician and an anthropologist. <laughs> so anyway, so she did. And at the end of the book, it said, uh, after all these interviews and talking to so many people um, about the regrets, what they wish they would have done different, um, what was important for them at that moment when they were you know, ready to transition or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call. Um, and then the, the, the result was that 
service. Being mm -hmm. of service was the most important thing for most of the people. That's what they mentioned the most. I wish I could have done more service. I wish I could have, or I did this of service and I feel satisfied or, you know, so I read that and I started to think, oh my, you know, what am I doing of service here in the chemistry lab? Nothing, you know, uh, and 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 some pe I talk about this with some people and they said, no, mm -hmm. no, no, but, but you don't know some of the research you are doing right now might be of help uh, many years from now. I said, that doesn't do for me. That doesn't yeah. do it for me. And I am a people's person and, uh, and talking to the testers also was not, that was not making it, uh, you know, mm -hmm. satisfying that digamos that, uh, let's say that. Because um, you were uh, lab. Yeah. So I said, what can I do now? So what I did is this. I, I set up an imaginary table where I put all that I have to offer at that moment in my life. I, I could, this is who I was. Okay. I had my education. Um, I had the languages. I had uh, all everything, people. I had the people I have uh, in my life. I had uh, financial. How you know? How are you doing? What financially can you? You have to embark on a new journey. Um, where can you find resources uh, or resources? You have no where is what you have at that time. You put it on your table. Everything. And so I I put it on my table, and then I look at it and I said I. I have, I have the languages and I also um, uh, have done per diem mm -hmm. interpreting, interpreting in the courts in the state of New York because, um, you know, the, there are for all immigrants, all the immigrants, English, Spanish, uh, doing interpreting English, Spanish. So my boss, my former boss in chemistry, he would let me go if, if they will call me to go to, but it was legal. It was legal <laughs> interpreting. If they will ask me to go to a court for a case, then I will go and he will let me go and I'll go here and I'll go there. And then I took all the training certifications, whatever. But interpreting uh, for uh, the legal system is extremely difficult. And I was suffering because I will suffer more than the defendants. Wow. I was always just like, no, I cannot go through this stress. It's very hard for one thing. Second, no. So then, but so I didn't do it anymore. So, but then I thought, oh, maybe I can do medical interpreter because, mm -hmm. because with the myochemistry and I was doing research in the department of pharmacology. So probably learning the medical terminology would not be too hard. I took, mm -hmm. I took, so I said, this is what I probably will do. And I took some courses. I started imagining in my head every single day, walking into that post. I was working uh, in the Department of Pharmacology in a, in a research uh, uh, academic institution that had a hospital, uh, you know, a academic mm -hmm. hospital. So this, which is a Stony Brook University Hospital. And so I, so I, so I, I was imagining myself working into this hospital every day and going and helping the patients who could not speak English. And then I went, I called one day and I said, I need to speak with a person who is in charge of language assistance services. And then they put her on the phone and I said, well, 
um, you know, this is my name, ta -da, I would like to see if I can have um, is, uh, meet with you sometime um, uh, regarding language assistance services. Oh, we don't have this program well established here in the hospital. We only use the telephones um, with agencies who provide the service, but we don't have in-person interpreting. But yes, you can come, but I only have an appointment a month from now or something. I said, fine, I have my other job, so no problem. So I went to the talk and I told her oh, what I was, I'm telling you right now. And mm -hmm. I said, you know, I think I would like to be a medical interpreter. And I think I could with, you know, with a little training, I could do it very well. And so she said, but why do you want to do this? And I said, because this resonates with who I am. Wow. Mm -hmm. And she asked me again, tell me that again. And I said, it resonates with who I am. I and, she, and then she said, well, too bad. Because yesterday we just closed. We, we had a, a, an announcement for, to, for a position at the very first full-time paid Spanish interpreter in this hospital. And, and the applications were called just, well, closed yesterday. Too bad. And I said, well, I am going to bring you, uh, I mean, I'm going to bring you my resume if you, if it is okay <laughs> with you. And, uh, and then if there is any other position that opens up, even if it is part-time or something, let me know. Goodbye, goodbye. And I walk out and then she walk out behind me all of a sudden <laughs> I, and she said, you know what? I have not read any of these applications. And then I will not feel this is unfair. So if you bring me your application tomorrow morning by eight, I will take it. So I said, okay, good, good. So I went, yeah, 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 yeah. I was so happy. I was so happy. I went home. I went home and I was, oh my gosh, now I have to change the resume from chemistry, from chemistry to languages or to interpreting. And I, I don't have all this credential. But anyways, I worked and worked to that and I did change it. Uh, whatever I could, whatever I could. But she knew, she knew I was working in pharmacology. So anyways, um, I brought the, the, the resume. She called me for the interview and she said, I am going to have to have three people interview you because this thing about, about changing your career altogether, I don't, I, you know, I have to have people uh, talk to you and see. I said, fine, fine, no problem. <laughs> so that's, everybody will ask me, why do you want to do this? Because because this is what I what resonates with me. The same thing. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and, and anyways, uh, I'm going to make this story short. After mm -hmm. a while, after a while, because the, the pay was a lot less than my other position in chemistry. And she said, I cannot do this. I cannot pay you less. And I said, okay, well, I cannot do anything about it. What, what could I do? And then she, she called me soon after that. I said, you know, I, I decided I am going to post the position again. I got more money approved for the position. But you run a risk because other people can apply and have more experience. And I said, fine. <laughs> so, so, so I got the position. Okay, I got the position with the same pay I was getting with in my chemistry job. And, Amazing. Yeah. And from the very first, from the very first day, I knew this is what I was meant to do. I loved it. I love to, to help the patients. I love to the, the interaction with all the staff. I interpreted for all the disciplines, for social workers, for you name it, physical mm -hmm. therapists, chaplains, uh, plus, of course, all the medical style doctors, difficult situations, not so difficult situations, joyful mm -hmm. times. And 
I absolutely love it. The interpreter is supposed to be invisible. That's the mm -hmm. one thing first, but it's very, very hard to be invisible when you see people, patients who come to the hospitals who are scared, who don't have money, who cannot speak the language, who are sick, mm -hmm. who don't have means, who don't have transportation. So I will, I could not do anything or say anything or nothing, but I will call the social workers or I will find out the case manager or people who could help them. And I will call them to come and help them, these patients. I, I, I had amazing stories about all this time and I worked 13 years as a medical interpreter and that was wow. my passion. You can hear it in your voice too. I mean, it's, mm. and what a gift. I mean, to be able to find that. And you weren't 20 years old when you found that. So people should not give up, right? No. Give up. And I love, you were imagining this and visualizing it even when it didn't exist yet. You're like, hmm, this is what I, I, I love your analogy of putting everything on the table and seeing what you have. And also like what was pulling your heart, what was pulling to you and you just followed it. So yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. So I said, so, so when, when I started having this boss and I said, but, but why, why is this happening? I questioned that a lot. You know, if, if mm -hmm. I'm doing what I love, if I'm doing the service, if I am, you know, and why is this happening in my life? And I don't know, you know, it's because mm -hmm. we, I guess, I guess what I think now is that every people we encounter in our lives, difficult or not difficult, uh, you know, are coming to teach us something and we must learn something. I don't know still what was the, what I learned from that experience with this boss, but I don't know. It's, but, but at this point in time, who cares anymore? I don't care anymore. <laughs> but, but it will be nice, you know, as a self-reflection. You know, mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. kind of figure out what is what happened right there. Um, but I feel extremely fortunate that I was able to do the transition because my family, my friends, everybody will tell me, what are you doing? Are you living on your experience, your career, yeah. all your education that you had, all this, all this, all this, for, ju for just to be an, a, just an interpreter? Mm -hmm. and an interpreter you, and, and you are a chemist and you do this and, 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 and then that's like, like it's more important than being an interpreter and I said yes I am I am yes I am doing and I don't know how in the world and, and I believe now that it was came from above because I am not a risk taker I was mm -hmm. 50 I was 56 years old and 56 years old okay I want to pause there everybody do you hear that Maria Cecilia was 56 years old when she made this career change. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And then I said, how, did, how, when I look back, is how in the world did I do that? She, today, today I am scared of, uh, I don't know, doing the simple, the, the most simple, not scared, but I, I, I doubt and I am reluctant to do the most simple changes, like changing the floors in my house or something. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. um, yeah, so I feel I feel very very fortunate, and I feel that I I did what I was supposed to do, and and I can now service. I can still do service. So I some I, I help people in different ways, in other ways, and then that 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 is for me 
at this point, you know, I mean, for a while, since I retired, of course, I was sick and all. That took like two and a half, three years, almost until now from my life. Mm -hmm. Now I have to, now I have to look at, now I have to look at the new opening and I don't know what it will be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and based on your, your history, it looks like you just follow it if it feels right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, at that time, I was sure this is that, that was the right thing to do. And imagine I was going to even take that job with 25% less of money. Yes. And, and, then and, they, I, and then they offered you the same. I mean, yes, yes. But, but I would have taken it. And then I don't know what I would have done. Right. <laughs> so, but, uh, but I guess I was willing, I guess, mm -hmm. I, and again, I go back to the intention, to having this intention, and my intention was to be able to find something where I could serve and mm -hmm. where I could, that I would find satisfying. Um, I mean, this is, uh, when I talk about this, like I am talking now, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say I find it satisfying because it's almost like self-serving, but, mm -hmm. but where I, but where I feel that I can share my energy and my gifts and my resources with other people. And, mm -hmm. and I think one of, one of the things I really can do well, I can, I, I can establish really good rapport and this, this patience, oh my gosh, that, you know, I will, I, I will, I will try to remain within the boundaries of my, of the profession, but I will, mm -hmm. I will instead, and one way or another, I was always present. I will go and ask them how they are doing. Do they need anything? And that was okay. And, and that's how I helped them so much. So oh, I love that. I mean, you were such an advocate. And yeah. what a beautiful transition you made to live this mission and to find it. And think of, I'm just awed, in awe of thinking about yes. how many people you've helped. Yes. Yes. Oh, through that and what a gift and it's because you really stood up and said you know what these are as you said sharing your energy and your gifts that's what you did yes. Yes. And, and, yeah no I said yeah and you honored that hmm? correct I honored that I honored that pull that I felt at that moment mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. to to be of service because I really found myself like okay when I I, I, when I look back, what what can I say I did, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I am not saying that everybody has to do service. I mean, in whatever profession they are, that they do it with joy and enthusiasm and love. And, and that energy, that energy by itself, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's enough to create, um, you know, to, to, to make this world better. I, I, you know, somehow that's, that's how I think. And... I want to tell you, uh, Elena, that yeah. I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to tell this story because, because every time I tell it, it's like it fills me with energy, you know. Aww. And so I appreciate that very much. I am so glad. And I, I just am so grateful to have had this time. And, and it is a very inspiring story and it's wonderful to hear your voice. And I love your accent and, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think this, this is just so incredibly inspiring and touching as well. And I'm thrilled that you've been on here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Elena. With much uh, pleasure. Oh, that was so fun hearing her story. Okay. Here are the bold points. Number one, 
Take a chance. It might be hard, but you can do it. Number two, be grateful for the magic moments and grace in your life. Number three, be an ambassador. Be kind and generous. Number four, pay attention to the messages from God or the universe. Number five, be mindful of the good things in your life. Number six, think of the body-mind-spirit connection in your own life. How are you dealing with your stress and do you need some support? Number seven, what are the silver linings in your struggles or challenges? Number eight, if you want to make a change, set an intention. Think about being of service and know that there are options and possibilities. Number nine, visualize and imagine what you want to do and start taking the steps. Number 10, ask yourself what resonates with you, what resonates with who you are, and what is your passion. And number 11, you're not too old and it's not too late. Do whatever you do with love and joy. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. And referenced in this episode, we heard about the RAIN method, and that was created by Michelle McDonald. And there was a book that was referenced called The Wheel of Life, A Memoir of Living and Dying by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Okay, here's your playlist to keep the party going. Nuestra Canción and Viva la Vida sung by and played by Monsieur Perrine and they are a band from Bogota, Colombia and they're wonderful. They are so much fun. I saw them in concert and if you get the chance, go see them. You'll love it. Super fun. Very danceable. And other songs on the playlist La Boheme by Charles Aznavour Belamos by Enrique Iglesias Chiquita by ABBA La Bicicleta by Carlos Vivas and Shakira and Silly Love Songs by Wings Okay, here's some bold news for you um, Subscribe to this podcast and go to the Women Behaving Boldly website to get on the email list for updates about workshops coming up, retreats and coaching opportunities, which I do have an opening for a new coaching client. If you are interested, please send me a message through the website, womenbehavingboldly.com. That's www.womenbehavingboldly.com. And you can enter your name and email address there. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in today, you gorgeous human. If you enjoyed this podcast and gained a bit of wisdom or inspiration, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review and let us know what you liked. It really, really helps get the show out there. And it's so appreciated from the bottom of my heart. And if you really love it and want to be a sponsor for this woman don't enterprise just contact me through Instagram at Women Behaving Boldly or the website. Okay. Now go be bold and do something that makes your heart happy and do something nice for someone else. Legal. The legal disclaimer applies to all women behaving boldly, media, and content.